Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode of the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins. Uh, I'm the founder and managing director of the search firm, the Anthony Michael Group, where we help organizations across MedTech, so medical device, digital health, diagnostics, to build high-performing teams and build them fast. I'm excited about this episode, as I am for so many of them, but this is somebody that I really wanted to have on the show for a long time, and I'm, I'm so grateful that we're able to do it today. We're talking with a Ms. Haley Burrell, who is the manager of talent acquisition for the Americas at a company called Cochlear. Now, Haley got her start in recruitment about 20 years ago or so. And she's had the opportunity to recruit and lead the recruitment function for a variety of organizations in different industries. Companies like Lakeshore, Sports Authority, DirecTV, and of course, Cochlear have all been graced with her presence. And additionally, Haley was able to gain experience on what I call my side of the desk in the third-party agency world, uh, leading a team of talented recruiters for a search firm here in Denver as well. So for those of you unfamiliar with Cochlear, it is a global medical device organization that is the leader in implantable hearing solutions, having provided more than 600,000 implantable devices, more than any other organization, helping people of all ages to hear and connect with life's opportunities. Without further ado, Haley, welcome to the show. Thank you. I have uh, followed Cochlear and followed your career for the last couple of years. And so I was sincere when I said I really appreciate you being here and um, glad that we're able to put this together on, on such a topic that you and I are passionate about. And that is talent acquisition versus being talent advisors. And when you and I were talking offline, I think that there's a lot of alignment between you and I of, of the importance of really pulling out the difference and helping organizations and people in the industry understand what is really talent acquisition and then where does talent advisement come into play? And um, I guess I just want to say that part of the reason we're doing this topic now is because of the state of the market. All you got to do is go on LinkedIn and see some of these stories every single day about talented recruiters, talented talent acquisition leaders being laid off. And usually, unfortunately, I should say, too, it's it's this vicious cycle where it's times of rapid growth and good stuff. Let's hire, hire, hire. We want to build an internal team. And then it's like, OK, we got to make our numbers or the market's telling us we got to you know, tighten our belts and let's lay off, lay off, lay off. And it's just this vicious cycle. And I think that's why you and I here are here today is to really kind of call out what is the value of that function and where else outside of just recruiting is a true talent advisor of value to a business, right? And so with that said, I want to kind of give some history. You know, I think you would agree with me that for years, human resources, exec- executives in human resources were fighting to have a seat at the quote unquote table right? They wanted to be in the boardroom. They deserved to be in the boardroom, but the executive team didn't necessarily see it that way. And then I think in recent years, it's really had a, a pretty significant shift where more and more CEOs, more uh, C-suite executives are recognizing, wow, you know what? This HR function does need to be with us because they represent so much vitality to the future of our organization. What's your take on that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think there's, especially the last few years, a distinct difference um, can now be made between a 
recruiter, right? Order taker, take the order, fill the order. This is what we need in a true strategic partner to the business in the form of a talent advisor. So yeah, I absolutely agree. There is a distinction to be made. Um, and I think we're ready now for talent as well to have a seat at the same table that uh, that HR has. Yeah. And I think that's where I was going with this is like, okay, great. So the market has shifted over the last and, you know, HR is being more respected in the boardroom, so to speak. Now we're talking about this talent function and that could be the same person. It could be the executive over HR leads talent too, but it could be a, a situation where no, it's actually split off. And there's, for example, a VP of talent acquisition and they may report into the CHRO, but they have their own expertise, their own functional responsibility you know, under that umbrella that needs to be heard at the table as well. How would you, if I was to ask you to define the difference, how would you articulate talent acquisition versus a talent advisor? Sure. So, and not to diminish at all the importance of a really good recruiter, a really good talent acquisition specialist, somebody who can read people and they have a talent for putting the right person in the right job. That's a really important role. But the biggest distinction is utilizing data, market data, knowing the market, understanding where the, you know, where the next, uh, what's the next, what's next as far as targeted, you know, issues from a talent source or uh, candidate pool standpoint. So talent advisors know your internal business. So one of the things that I, I think is most important is to understand internal mobility. Um, when you are advising the business, it means you understand that your next director of marketing may be sitting in a senior manager spot in a totally different department, but you know that that's the person um, that is going to be a great, you know, next next level hire, if you will. So it's also understanding the why behind a workforce plan. So when you are truly advising the business, you are under, you're very involved in workforce planning. You understand why we're hiring 15 new people in this department. Not just that we are doing it, right, which is more the function of talent acquisition or recruiting. Um, we are doing it, so go get them. But instead, as a talent advisor, you understand why. What's the strategic objective behind that? What is the company um, trying to do that they would need 15 new positions in whatever department? Understanding how that initiative contributes to the overall growth strategy. So the difference is the level and the depth of understanding that you have of the business, of the uh, strategic plan for the business, what's coming down the pipeline, and who the internal talent pool really is is, and who is that made up of. Yep. Yeah, it's a good perspective. And I think there's a couple of things at play here. I think it's, um, on one hand, somebody at in your type of role where you're leading talent acquisition has some natural authority based on the title and natural positioning to be able to ask some of these strategic questions. And it seems natural. Okay, you're leading talent acquisition. You got to understand more about the business so that you can direct your team against the objectives of the overarching business. Take somebody who's perhaps a recruiter or a talent acquisition specialist internally. They don't necessarily feel always feel empowered to ask deeper questions or know what questions to ask. And I think that somebody who is in a recruiting position right now, who's thinking, geez, do it. Should I ask the VP of finance these questions? Should I ask, you know, why are we hiring these people? Should I ask? What's the overall object? The, the, the answer is absolutely. But making them feel comfortable and feel like it's a welcome question versus a challenging question is a whole different story, right? And I think that's where the cultural shift happens too, is in leadership teams 
recognizing that the more insights and the more tools that they can provide their talent acquisition teams, the better off everybody is because now they're armed and equipped to go to the marketplace on behalf of you and know specifically why, right? That's just one piece of this though. The other pieces that come to mind uh, that I'm thinking about is what about employer branding, right? And I'm not talking about corporate speak of let's create a corporate video in front of a green screen. I'm talking about a army of troops on the front lines day in and day out talking about why they work for the company what they see as beneficial, why somebody doing the same job elsewhere should stop down their tracks and consider working for you guys. How powerful is it if the talent acquisition group has the right messaging for an employer value proposition and knows how to articulate that? I want to get your thoughts on that too, but you know, I think that's just it is that some what you summed up in essence is we think a talent acquisition is okay, let's recruit some more, let's recruit some bodies, let's put up a job posting, let's get on the phone, let's recruit them. Advisory piece is so much more in depth. It's the why. It's the how, it's the should we, should we not? It's the how does this impact the overarching objective of the business? There's a lot more to it, but what's your thought on the the employer branding piece as far as where talent advisement comes into play? Yeah, it's huge. Before we we got on here offline, we were talking about Cochlear is an Australia-based company and in Australia, everybody knows who Cochlear is. Everybody wants to work for Cochlear. It's a fantastic um, success story in Australia. And in the U.S., in certain circles, ideological circles, for example, people know who Cochlear is. They know our story. They know our mission. But a lot of people in Denver specifically, they don't necessarily know exactly who we are. Um, we've had people say, oh, I've heard of a cochlear implant. And so at that point, we can say, yeah, we're the ones who invented the first one. Um, and that's what we do. But the knowing who we are is not the same as knowing and understanding the internal culture. What is it like to work at Cochlear? What is it like to work at any company? What is the opportunity for advancement? Does it feel good to go to work every day? Is it a company that you um, you get up every morning and go, I cannot wait to go in and see what's happening today? And there's a lot of people who have been um, at Cochlear, for example, for a long time. We have really good longevity. But the bigger you get, the more difficult it is to keep some of that internal culture alive. And you have to be very specific about it. So you have to build that brand. You have to build that value proposition. And you have to make sure your internal employees are on board with it and agree that this is how we feel as well. You can't just say it. Um, you can't just say we're a great company with a great mission. You have to live that. You have to really right, walk that walk, if you will. Um, so I agree. If you don't have that, that has to be a tool in your toolbox. There's we've talked about, you know, there's sourcing and there's um, internal talent mobility and there's agency use and you're partnering with other um, with external companies to help find the talent that you need. One way to ensure that you're going to attract the right talent is to make sure that your value proposition is really strong in the market. And I think there's a lot of different ways companies can impact it. You know, certainly going out and looking at Glassdoor reviews, that's really popular right now and a lot of people do it. But Glassdoor allows employers to go in and delete reviews if you pay for a certain subscription. That doesn't really help. You really need to get to a point where you understand if somebody has gone out and said something negative or something positive about your company, you dig into that a little bit. What is the value proposition here? Do people really feel that way? And do they feel the way we think they do? Another important 
something I think a lot of companies do is engagement surveys. What does your internal engagement survey say about how people feel about your company, about your diversity and inclusion efforts, about the opportunity to move up? Um, and every year, company, most companies um, do an engagement survey. Do they really listen to what those results are saying? And are they trying to take action based on what they're seeing? I think you build and continue to build strong value proposition um, when you listen to the employees that you have and continuously try to improve. I think that's really important. 100%. 100%. I mean, who better to know than the people that are doing the job right now in the company and staying for a reason, right? So absolutely. You know, I was just thinking about the value proposition and, and what you were saying about listening to your employees. And then I was tying it back to imagining recruiters that work internally at a company going out and recruiting talent. And one of the, as an agent, you know, as a search firm, one of the questions that we always ask to the hiring manager and to the respective HR business partner or the talent acquisition leader, or whoever's, you know, managing the search, hey, put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's doing this job right now that you're trying to hire for. Why would they stop dead in their tracks and consider at least an exploratory conversation with you about doing a very similar job here? And sadly, more often than not, I get, we get answers like, huh, that's a really good question. I guess it's because it's a really good place to work. We've got a good culture. We, our benefits are great. You know, we have flexibility. It's like, wonderful. So does everybody else. What else? Right. And so that piece is so critical because if you're really trying to identify, attract and ultimately land talent, why should somebody stop dead in their tracks and consider working for you versus an alternative doing the exact same job? And in such, you know, it's so many functions where it is so hard to recruit people because everybody needs the exact same talent. It's even more critical. Any thoughts around that? You know, you mentioned the importance of employee engagement. You mentioned about feedback and really paying attention and digging into the feedback. Any other suggestions you have centered around an employer value proposition? Yeah, I think the mission for a company is critical. If employees or external candidates who are looking at a, a company, if they can really relate to your mission, that is a hook that you just you can't pay for. We're fortunate at Cochlear because our mission is fantastic and what we do is awesome. You can't look at a video of a baby who can hear um, when, you know, it couldn't before, um, you can't, I would challenge you to look at that and not get a few tears when they hear their mama's voice for the first time. Our mission is fabulous, but it's, it can't just be the mission and it can't just be employee engagement and listening. And you really have to, you have to bring all of it together. And I think that's where a lot of companies miss the mark is they're focused on one thing. We have awesome benefits. And like you said, so does everyone else. And we have a great culture. I think most companies think they have a great culture. And if you're listening to your employees, then you'll know whether you do or not or areas that you can improve, but you have to listen. That engagement survey is really important. And the other thing is your, your leadership teams. Who's your leadership team? Who is addressing your employees, right? Your global CEO, your local president of um, your region, whatever that might look like. When they address your employees, are they doing so in a way that is engaging for your employees? Are they looking at this person who is leading the charge for your company? Are they inspired by them? They don't have to be a super dynamic personality or anything, but are they inspirational? Do, are you looking at them saying, yeah, that's, you know what? I want to, I want to go where he goes or she goes. I think you have to have a lot of tools in the toolbox, right? In order to have a value proposition that people are interested in. I can't recruit solely based on 
you know, how awesome our mission is. And I can't recruit solely based on um, opportunity for advancement within Cochlear, but I can recruit based on all of these different things together. And to tie this back to the topic, you know, talent acquisition versus talent advisor, I think really encouraging uh, recruiters, talent acquisition leaders to dig in with the hiring managers and not just take service level answers and to ask the tough questions that you need to ask so that you're armed with enough ammunition to go to the marketplace and, and recruit these very difficult people to recruit. Because if you're just going out there with surface level stuff, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. There's too much opportunity out there. So really having, I guess, for hiring leaders that are listening to this, recognizing the importance of involving your your talent acquisition partners, talent advisement partners, and giving them enough and thinking from the vantage point of who you're trying to recruit, right? If I was this person, why would I want to work on my team? What are they going to be afforded to do? What's so unique, compelling, differentiating? And if they do a great job, where are they going to get to go with their career? Because great people and great talent want to be able to self-actualize. They want to spread their wings and continue to see the fruits of their labor and be rewarded for that. So having the, I guess, the confidence to ask the tough questions and then also on the receiving end, being willing and able to provide uh, the necessary information to to get out to the marketplace with. Haley, what are some, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, just what's going on with the market right now and so many people in this functional area of talent acquisition being laid off. What are some key questions that executives should really ponder uh, before, you know, letting TA staff go or for orgs that, I guess, let me stop there. Let me ask you that piece first. So this one really made me think a little bit because I think there's, Quite a few questions that I I would love that right that we start asking before we just start laying off recruiters. When you think about it's a revolving door, and I think we have we've all seen how quickly recruiters are made redundant. As soon as something happens in the market, market goes down, the recruiters are laid off, and then whoop, the company starts scrambling because the market's back. And all of a sudden, we need tech talent that we can't find or, you know, specific talent we can't find. So we're bringing all the recruiters back and probably not the same ones you had before. Um, It's a revolving door. And what we really need to do is make a space for not so much the revolving door, but talent advising like we're talking about. So within that model, companies can really, I think, capitalize on their TA teams because they can focus on uh, internal talent optimization. They can focus on what's coming down the pipe. What are we looking for next internally? So the market's down. We're not doing a ton of hiring. Okay, so we still are doing some hiring. We still have um, strategic initiatives that we have to continue to work through and to to meet goals for. Um, so what are we going to do? Are we going to have a revolving door in the talent acquisition department where recruiters come and go? Or are we going to actually create a, a safe place, if you will, for um, true talent advisors who understand the business, understand what might be coming, understand who internally are the players that we might need to move. And right, this is a really good time to say we're flexible, we're strategic, we can move into, you know, a, a kind of the next level, if you will, while we're we're waiting. We know the market will come back. Job markets always up and down as we all it's like stock market. It's gonna go up go down. Do you really want to be pushing recruiters out and trying to pull them back in? A really good recruiter who has turned into a true talent advisor to the business is not going to be the person that you want pushed out of your business and then you're trying to get them back because now you have a need for that functional support. You have a need as a business 
in my belief, for that professional and strategic support. They should have a seat at the table. We're not recruiting right now because we're not hiring right now. We're not hiring right now because our business is down, whatever that might look like. What should we be doing to prepare for when the business comes back? Because we know that's going to happen. There needs to be a talent development conversation. There needs to be a conversation around, let's figure out how we compete for talent in a way that we've never had to before. And let's look internally first. Let's develop our greatest asset, which is our people. So it's a topic I'm really passionate about because I think talent acquisition and being a talent advisor, it's just so much more than um uh, recruiting people off of LinkedIn by sourcing for them, right? There's so much more to it. And you become so much um, just more fulfilled as a, as a business partner when you know you have a seat at the table to talk to the executives in your company about what else can we be doing? I'm here to help. I'm not here just to train the resources and keep all my recruiters in, you know, in their desks while we're not while we're not busy. I love that you're here for this topic and I've kind of got goosebumps because now you're getting me fired up because I too am passionate about this and I just hate seeing this vicious cycle. And when you've been in the business as long as you and I have, you see the cycles up and down, over and over, in the door. Then let's spend thousands and thousands on an agency because we let all our recruiters go and then we're spending too much. So let's hire a team internally and then it's just up and down, right? But there's so many things I want to unpack with what you just said. Human capital is an organization's most important asset, right? And so we got to start figuring out how to treat it that way. If you're saying that human capital is an organization's most important asset, who better to kind of lead the charge than the function you're putting in charge of bringing the people in, right? right? And so when you said talent development and looking across internally, what about succession planning? What about building pipelines for, you know, in four months when you are hiring? What about the employer branding piece? What about employer trends? What's going on and what, how are things changing? What about your tech stack and doubling down on do we have the right tools and are we going to be prepared when things go gangbusters again? And now the, you know, the onset of AI and you hear about chat GPT every day. What does that mean to our business? Social selling as far as how do we engage with talent? And there's so many things, but I think organizations are they're just it's a shame because there's too much short sightedness going on. And I get that, you know, you have shareholders to please and I get that startups have investors to please. I get all that. But at the end of the day, if you had that function, that means that you had that function for a reason and that you're going to have it for the foreseeable future. So why not double down in times where it is a little bit tougher and really kind of pave the way for the future so that you don't uh, keep entering the same exact vicious cycle? I agree completely. Um, I think what I've seen before, Mitch, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, is companies will, they risk bond to a spike in their business by hiring too many tactical recruiters. And they they come in and they work really hard for 15 months and then they're bringing in all this talent and then the market goes down. And now the next thing you know, you're laying off. So I think if you're looking at a true talent advisor model, then you are bringing in people, building them up, helping them grow in their career from a talent acquisition standpoint, turning them into talent advisors, that's not just the job of a, a recruiting leader. That is the job of the, the people that are on that team. Everybody should be a talent advisor, like you were saying. And in order to do that, right, responding to a spike in, in your hiring needs only by bringing in outside new candidates, if you will, and filling positions that you will likely have to lay off or make redundant in 16 to 18 months doesn't do much for your value proposition, doesn't do a lot for your employee engagement, um, and it 
certainly doesn't do a lot for your bottom line. I think you have, as a, a talent acquisition person, it is your responsibility, especially in a leadership role, to really look at every tool in your toolbox, like we were we were talking about a minute ago. It's going to spike. You're going to have that. So, you know, can the team, can we all buckle down and let's try to get as much of this done ourselves as we can? And make sure that you're also partnered strategically with the right external agency. And I say that coming from an agency background because I know the value of a good partner in that space. So that's when, in my mind, you go to those agencies and say, you know what, we have 14 open positions. And can we talk through how you can help us through this time? Because what I don't want to do is go out and hire hourly recruiters who are then going to be made redundant in a year and a half. That doesn't help my business move forward. The only other thing I would add too is, you know, I've put a lot of responsibility on the business or the executive team during this conversation is about like, hey, here's how you need to value and why. I also think that there's a responsibility to the talent acquisition team to express the value that they can provide and to help the business understand because this is, it really is not necessarily a known thing across companies. People look at it, it's like, okay, you're our recruiting team, you bring the talent in, we hire, we interview, we hire and yada, yada. And there's so much intricacy that just like, you know, we wouldn't walk into a chemist lab and tell them what to do because they understand the intricacies. Most people don't understand the intricacies of what happens in talent acquisition or as we're saying, talent advisement. So I think there's a responsibility to understand what is the value that we provide to the, to the business. And let's take the time to try and articulate that and try to put together some sort of showcase of where we can help and start getting ourselves more involved. And the more involved, the more respect, the more value, the greater picture becomes with everybody involved. That's how I see it. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely do. We have you're right. We have to sell ourselves internally as that strategic partner. It's really important. Um, and people will see you in the way that you present yourself. Right. So how is not only the leader of a talent acquisition function, but how are the the people that work on that team? How are they? What are they projecting out when they are doing an intake meeting, right? A recruiting kickoff meeting. Are you talking about the state of the market? Are you going in as an expert so that the hiring manager steps back a minute and says, "Wow, you really know what you're talking about." That's building trust. And once you kind of start presenting yourself as the expert, then right, then the conversations start happening organically. Wow, I, I'm kind coming to you because I understand that, you know, X could be a problem in the market. We're not going to be able to find, um, you know, full stack developers um, ever again. They're all gone. Is that true? Have you heard that? What do you know about that? That to me is that's how you know you've kind of reached the level you want to be at when you're getting those kinds of questions because you have been presenting yourself as the true expert in talent acquisition. Um, it's not just about, you know, going out on Monster anymore and finding people and reading resumes and having them come in and interview. It is a true strategy that you have to employ and you have to understand what's at the end of it, what's our end goal. And then, like you said, you absolutely have to sell yourselves as the talent experts to the business. And that's how you get that seat at the table. It's how you're asked for your opinion. And I'm going to say one more thing because I feel like I feel the absolute need to say it. There's too many talent acquisition groups out there, professionals out there who feel subservient to the hiring manager and, and they, they don't position themselves on an equal playing field. And you absolutely are. That is, you have a huge responsibility to the business and to the hiring manager to help hire right 
And so if you don't feel like the hiring manager is approaching something the right way or doesn't necessarily know, it's, it is your responsibility and you are deserving of, you know, respectfully pushing back and bringing an opinion to the table because they're going to value it and they need it. That's and right. sometimes people try to lead the way because somebody else is not saying anything. They're just leading yeah. the way. And yeah. so I just encourage people out there to recognize, look, if you have this skill set and you're building this skill set, these hiring managers are counting on you to raise your opinion. That's exactly right. You are the expert. Be the expert. I tell my team all the time. And I have some experienced recruiters and I have some really new in career recruiters. And it doesn't matter. You are the expert compared to the hiring manager that you're working with. They are not the ones out there acquiring the talent. You are. Be the expert. Um, tell them what you know about the market. But that also means you have to read about the market. You have to stay informed. You have to listen to podcasts. You have to do all of these different things to make sure that you are the expert so that when people ask, you can answer intelligently. That's really important to be the expert. You can't fake it. And I have certainly been in some organizations where that's what they try to do first. It doesn't work. You have to be the expert truly. And then you will get that respect. The hiring manager, and I've I'm sure you've had this too. I've had people in VP and C-level roles that will say to me, I don't know how to go out there and do what you're doing. I don't know the best strategy for this. You tell me. And to me, that's the sign of a really emotionally intelligent leader who can say, I don't know that spot. This is my space. This is your space. And it's important that we know our space. And if you do, and you can speak confidently about it, that hiring manager will understand that we are on an even playing field. I'm not an order taker. I'm not here to write down what you want and go find. So that's an important distinction to make. Super ironic of what you just said, because there was a quote out there literally today, and it said, great leaders aren't the smart, necessarily the smartest in the room. They get the smartest people in the room and get them all on the same team. We're moving in the right direction. So yeah. Definitely. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I've got a lot of respect for you and what you're doing with Cochlear. And I really appreciate you being here today and sharing all the insights that you have. It's okay with you. We'll we'll uh, put a link to Cochlear in the show notes. And, yep. uh, you know, offline, if, if you're okay with it too, we'll put a link uh, to your LinkedIn profile in case anybody wants to be able to reach out to you. Sure. That would be great. Thank you, Mitch. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.